Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Here we are again. I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nath Prasad. I'm Steve Lynch. And we will soon be joined by the man from another place. Boy, how I love that guy. The, uh, how good are Dave's summaries? The last one literally had me crying in stitches. It was yeah. fantastic. I yeah, pretty much it. fell off the chair. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dave Bluestein, writer, screenwriter, comedian, uh, performer, is, uh, is bringing us these weekly updates of what the hell just happened uh, in the episode. Uh, part six is going to be no different. So, yeah, take it away, Dave. Tell us what happened. When we start part six, Cooper slash Dougie is still loitering at the cowboy statue, juggling those case files. He's arrested by a cop with a shiny badge, taken down the station and returned to Janie E like the little lost prostitute visiting savings gambling errant father toddler he is. After Janie E talks at him some more, he toddles upstairs to say goodnight to Sonny Jim and play with a light clapper. But what's this? Janie E has received photos of Dougie and Jade from the blackmailers. She's angry and grounds him for the foreseeable future. What's left of Cooper then gets to work on those case files, but is distracted by a vision of Philip Gerard wandering around the Red Room trying to contact him. Gerard tells Cooper to wake up and don't die, which Cooper takes as a cue to draw little squiggles all over those case files in response to some otherworldly lights. By the way, those squiggles seem to focus on the name Anthony Sinclair, that workmate of Dougie's that Cooper called a liar. Albert Rosenfeld is just a fellow with a motherfucking umbrella goes to meet Diane Evans, that's THE Diane, Cooper's former secretary, to ask for her help in identifying whether Cooper's evil twin is in fact some kind of evil twin. And <gasps> it's Laura Dern! All the fan theories are coming true! Back in Twin Peaks, the mill is now the site of a shady deal between Red, played by Balthazar Getty, that new villain we saw pointing finger guns at Shelley back in episode 2, and Richard Horn, played by Aussie actor Eamon Farron, who we last saw smoking tobacco and threatening women. Oh, that's, I'm um, sorry, that sounds confusing. I meant the character. I have no idea what Eamon Farron does in his spare time. Red is backed up by a gang of evil dudes with guns, as in actual guns, although I do kind of wish they all had finger guns, that would be cool. And he's selling drugs to Horn for distribution. Red does a little dance, makes a little love, threatens to saw the kid's head in half, does some magic tricks using actual magic, and punches himself in the liver. That's how scary he is. He doesn't even need alcohol. He also tells Horn he'll need to pick up the drugs from Miriam's, although he's surprised Red knows that name. Meanwhile, old Carl from Firewalk With Me is still managing the Fat Trout trailer park in a nearby town. He gives a guy called Mickey a lift into Twin Peaks and reveals that he's been smoking for 75 years, which, as anniversaries go, I think is emphysema. We then meet Miriam, who may or may not be THE Miriam, buying pie from the Double R Diner. She's a primary school teacher who doesn't earn very much, but still eats two pieces of pie and leaves a generous tip to boot. Where did she get all that money? <coughs> Drugs. Richard Horn, still rattled by the stupid magic motherfucker, races off in his truck and, without looking where he's driving, kills a young kid on a crossing in front of a bunch of bystanders, the screaming mother, Carl, and Miriam, who's suddenly not so cheerful. No drugs for Richard. Carl watches the boy's spirit leave the body as a yellow flame and gives the mum a cuddle as pole number six crackles with electricity. Back in his office, Mr. Todd receives a red square in an email and takes a piece of paper with a black dot on it out of a safe. I think this is supposed to be mysterious, but for all I know, that's what people with office jobs do. Back in Vegas, sheriffs investigate Dougie's exploded car while the junkie mum yells 119 to nobody in particular. That better not be a red herring because we've seen more of her than anyone else in the series. New character Ike the Spike Statler rolls dice in his hotel room and writes down the numbers. He's handed two photos, Dougie Cooper and the anxious woman, Lorraine, and stabs the heads of those photos with an ice pick. Presumably he's going to do the same with their real heads, but wants to get in some practice first. Dougie's back in the office drinking coffee when his boss, Bernard Mullins, calls him in. He's angry about all the scribbling, but then notices a pattern. The scribbles mean something. He thanks Dougie, but Cooper doesn't even know how to shake hands. Janie E goes to meet the blackmailers and hits back with some emotional blackmail of her own. 
She gives them back their money, plus a much more reasonable amount of interest than they were asking for, and drives off. Tough dame. Ike the Spike kills Lorraine and breaks his spike in the process. Oh no, I felt genuinely sad for him. Richard Horn parks under some crackling electricity and tries vaguely to clean the van. While over at the sheriff's office, Hawk is in the bathroom when he notices the Pierce Nez logo on a toilet door. It's his heritage! His heritage is in the toilets! There's something that's missing as a rivet on the toilet door, and he starts pulling off the front of the cubicle door to find out what's inside. Chad comes in to use the toilet, holding a book and a coffee, which is gross, and is chased away. Hawk doesn't like him very much. In fact, nobody does. Chad. Sheriff Frank Truman's angry wife Doris comes back and abuses him some more. Chad makes some dumb comments after they leave, but as dispatcher Maggie points out, their son committed suicide after the war. That's what made her mean. Yeah, Chad, what's your excuse? And that's it for part six. This was a great episode. So much going on. Oh, my God. Mm. Intrigue. Murder. More murder. It was called Don't Die. Don't die, yeah, don't a lot die. of people did. <laughs> Unfortunately, or at least wow, some people did. Wow, there was yeah. something horrific in this later on. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Now, we, we're really back to where we started. We're basically pretty much where we left off last week, yeah. last episode. Yeah. Um, For a week, he's just been stroking the seat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Like, wow, is it Sunday night already? Yes. <laughs> but, you know. Like, Showtime. You know, the little part of me that loves, you know, that takes pity on stray dogs has just, like, gone into overdrive. Watching finally though, Cooper at least some, somebody at least is stepping in to help. Law law enforcement officials have said, mm-hmm. like, mate, yeah. can I just drive you? Only because it's seriously. like his second, third, fourth, or possibly even fifth time back. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's the next morning, and he's like, maybe this dude needs some help. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where Cooper's personality started to come back because he's drawn to law enforcement. Obviously, he's hanging around the statue for a reason, mm. and then a dude with a badge comes around, and he's he's reaching towards the badge. He wants mm. to touch the badge. He is getting a feeling as if someone waking from a dream is remembering the stuff that used to be in his former life. It's another yeah. trigger. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, we've seen a few triggers along the way and this is this is yet another one which makes us as an audience go even closer to come on man like seriously like bring bring Cooper bring Cooper back. He's coming back. He's mm. coming back. He's well, back. he's inching his way back. Oh, I'm confident. Oh, he's yeah. By part 14 he'll be all the way there. <laughs> well, this goes back to at which point do we actually get to see the Cooper who, you know, has his beautiful innocent Reaction to the world, but he's like whip smart. <laughs> yeah, because the current <laughs> one is so jaded. <laughs> no, well, you're right. No, the saying, whip smart whip is smart, the, the right? difference. And yeah. funny and, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, for whatever reason, when I first started watching this episode, I pressed the button that says subtitles. Sometimes... There are some. There are some things like the um, one chance out between two worlds. Like you want to put the subtitles on to see. Did they subtitle that as chance or chance? Mm. Um, mm. And we were uh, that was allegedly oh, yeah, yeah. able to solve a mystery because if the subtitle said it, or well, it must be true. I I accidentally watched this with the subtitles on, and when uh, they asked for Dougie's address, and he says mm. Lancelot Court, that was subtitled as. Manzella Court. Like, <laughs> the person who was subtitling that or was doing the, had the job of uh, typing the thing just heard that phonetically and did not turn that into anything mean. They offshored it to Russia or, or something. Yeah, like that. that's right. For people looking for clues in the subtitles, mate, don't rely on it because they cannot get even some of the basics right. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's not the first time I've heard I've heard some of the other stuff uh, subtitled from the, the lodges are not wait, correct. Wait, is it possible that Gordon Cole is doing the <laughs> subtitles? <laughs> He's in Manzella Court. Manzella? <laughs> what? I didn't say mozzarella. <laughs> or manzanella. I didn't even order a pizza. <laughs> yeah. I don't like olives. Yeah. It's where a King Harder died. <laughs> <laughs> King Harder? King Harder hearing, more like it. Um, so we managed to get to... So if someone Cooper drops him finally home, gets home. He's home. But well, there's, there's someone, to Dougie's home. He's someone. always been home. Yes. Oh. I know, we didn't talk about that, but yes, you're mm. quite right. Someone and something is waiting for him. 
well, you know, Janie is waiting for him and she, she fixes him yet another sandwich, oh. which makes me mm. think... Brother's got to eat. Brother's got to eat. He's like Walt Jr. in Breaking Bad. He's always having breakfast. It makes me think this woman's skills are not in the kitchen. Uh, no. But, you know, she... she take, I mean, she, she's actually somewhat sympathetic this time. I think we see a softening of JDE, at least for a few minutes. Well, not before yeah. she goes eight bird when she sees the photographs of him and Jade. Yeah, well, no shit, wouldn't yeah, you? That's... Well, I guess, yeah. Jade gives two rides. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet, bet she did. Yes. <laughs> but more importantly, I think we get to see, you know, one of the things I've observed about Janie E is that she talks to Cooper, Dougie, or Dougie Cooper, as if he's a child. And I thought, well, maybe this is just a thing, you know, this is her reaction to him. But no, this is pretty much how she deals with life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because eventually Dougie's blackmail is cool and, like, she's, she's taking matters into she her own hands. She fucks that out good. Mm. Like, oh, she's, my God. She's, like, yeah. she's meeting them at noon 30. Yeah, yeah. noon 30. Yeah. And she's said take, by absolutely no one anywhere. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And she's going to take care of business. So um, I, I'm very excited about what this what taking care of business looks like. And we get to find out. We and do. Boy, is it good. Yeah. But then notwithstanding the fact that she's really pissed off with um, Cooper about clearly what is a, a you know, an indiscretion. Um, she does soften. She kisses him on the head. She obviously realizes that there is this is a very deeply troubled. There's something wrong with this this man that she's married. She thinks she's married to. Well, she got four hundred and fifty thousand reasons to forgive. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Well, whatever, whatever motivates you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're back to now. You're the one who picks up all the signs oh, and portents. I love again. We we have this very fleeting moment where we see the traffic the traffic light, and mm. I, you know I've I've talked about the traffic light before, and we talked about the rail crossing and. Um, we talk. It's a. It's again. It's a traffic light that's suspended on the on a wire, not dissimilar to Twin Peaks seasons one, and and I think in season two actually we see it from time to time. So not mounted on a on a pole like a no, normal. No, no, traffic. no. It's suspended from a wire and it's blowing. But, but in the that's wind. actually common in small town America. It is common so in small town yeah. America, and I yeah. this is I think this is probably one one particular intersection in in Twin Peaks that we've seen it in in reference to, and, and the lights go for green, amber, and red, and and we hear this crackle of static and electricity. So. Uh, again, the theme is, is repeated in, in this episode. It'll be repeated throughout this episode. Yeah. Mm. I just had a flashback then. Did In Firewalk With Me, didn't one of the Lodge residents backwards talk, electricity? Yes. yes. The man from another place ah. did. Yeah. Um, and electricity was throughout Firewalk mm. With Me. It wasn't really in the original Twin Peaks so much. Well, it kind of was. But it kind of was. Yeah, like, but yeah. then in the, it became explicit in the movie, I think. I so. think once, yeah, I think it's obviously something that um, it's a theme or it's a, um, a, a symbol that David Lynch is particularly connected to. Yeah. Mm. So we probably saw it more in season one than we probably did in, in season two. I love that we're explicitly bringing up this electricity and meanwhile our listeners have been shouting at their iPhones going, yes, it's electricity. Yeah, Don't you remember the guy who was... Friggin' saying it, you donkeys. Anyway, so, yes, we get it. Yeah, we get it. It is an ongoing theme. And we do get another message to Cooper from the other the other side. From Philip, right? Uh, from Philip. Well, uh, from, from, Mike. from Mike. It's Mike, yeah. really. Yes, yeah. Mike's in there, yeah. 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 Um, and he's saying what all of us want, which is, come on, Coop, you have to wake die. up. No, well, don't die. Number one, don't die. Yeah, don't die. And you have to wake up. Yeah, you yeah. have no, to seriously, wake up. It's wait. True. Yeah. He's slapping it's, this guy in the face. Yeah, Mike is basically saying, come on, it's been four episodes now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're in part six, for Christ's sake. Get on with it. Do not die. I know. He really doesn't, he really doesn't want Bad Coop back. I think he wants Bob back in the lodge. Yeah. Oh, that so is he, his motivation. Oh, right. He does not want Bob on the loose. No. 
Well, I think it's it's that. Because Mike's role has been to control, like, you know, when Bob went out of hand, like, really went out of hand. And he, as when he, he went out of hand, he cut off his arm. Yeah. When he went, yeah. And so he didn't cease to be a resident of the Black Lodge. He was just like the man from another place and like a few of them. He, there is a balance about the yeah. lodges. Exactly. And if you're getting the normal amount of gum and bosia, then that's okay. But when you're being when you're gorging and on you've gum got and the bosia. momentum of your own fury, <laughs> yeah. just fucking settle down, bro. And, yeah, you know, chill, bro. Just a, a, enough of the gum and bosia. Gum and, gum and bosia and chill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. he doesn't. So, so, yeah, I think he does want to bring that back into alignment by, yeah. by bringing the back. I mean, it's very much a yin and yang kind of thing, right, which yeah. I think also is sort of – you know, this concept, and I'm, I'm probably making this, some of this stuff up, but, you know, obviously David Lynch is a practitioner of transcendental meditation. He um, clearly has some, you know, connection to Buddhist spirituality and I think this sort of element of balance mm, yeah. and the role of the elements mm. in, in human life is is quite, you know, obviously meaningful, certainly meaningful to me, but um, is it's sort of reflected in some of his work. Yeah, and there, there is pain and suffering in the world, and that is uh, unavoidable. It's unescapable. We're on this, uh, we're on this uh, wheel of suffering, this um, samsara. But it doesn't mean that you go out of your way to create more suffering for other people. Uh, yeah. And from the Buddhist tradition, that means don't eat animals because we, look, you do have to eat. You must kill things even if they're plants, in order to sustain yourself, but maybe don't kill some of the better things. The <laughs> even even Wally, for all of his weird, I don't even know, I, I, and maybe it's a bit of a Wally misappropriating things from other cultures, cause, but he refers to his dharma being the road. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's such a but that's a, like a beat poets thing, right? From like, yeah. well, it's a bit of it's a bit zen and zen and the you know the the motorcycle, motorcycle maintenance yeah. kind of thing, but yeah. you know, I mean, but it's it's you know anyway, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a theme, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, it's one thing. What's the flavour? Oh, see, so oh, so well, guess what we're really saying is that Mike is into sustainable farming of gum and bozia. <laughs> He's not into uh, over-farming of gum and bozia. Well, you so, definitely yeah. don't want genetically modified gum and bozia. No, no, that's terrible. Yeah. That would be bad. All right. So um, at least we get a sense that someone in the lodge is helping Cooper and someone in the lodge is helping him fill out his forms, do his homework. Yeah. 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 The little – someone's got the laser torch yeah. sitting over his shoulder. <laughs> Yeah. Wouldn't that be freaking cool if that was actually David Lynch? Like while they're shooting it, <laughs> it's David Lynch himself who's got a little, little green pentor, a normal pentorch. He's put a little bit of green cellophane over. <laughs> oh my god, that would be great! Just be the great. personal touches. Uh, oh, <laughs> Maybe in the missing scenes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be him. So we've got Cooper. If and like again. Spurred on by his wife. If you've got work to do, you better get on with it. So he gets on with his with his work. Opens up the case files. Holds a pencil like a monkey, yeah, and like a chimp starts drawing circles around Just things, doodling connecting any the old dots. Um, but then literally does connect the dots. Yeah, li- yeah that's out. right. Yep, um, sort of inspired by green sparkles. And so, what is it that he's that he's circling, and what is it that he's finding? Well, I I saw something. I didn't see this on my first, or actually any of my viewings of this. But on the, apparently on the internet, there's a freeze frame where one of the things he's circled is. I keep coming. I keep saying Robert Mitchum. It's not Robert Mitchum, but it's, it's you know Brad and Brad and Chad. Brad and his brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mitchum, not, <laughs> not Chad. No, no, not no, Chad. No, 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 not Chad. that motherfucker. No, 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 no. Um, Whoever the Mitchums are, uh, it, it, the Mitchum it's the brothers. brothers. Yes, yeah. and he's and he circled Mitchum brothers, and they're clearly involved in this insurance claim. He's uh, definitely circled Anthony Sinclair, which yeah, is totally. the name of the coworker. Who the he said he's lying. Yep, yep. So there's there's definitely there's like an inside insurance scam thing going on, and he's. Yeah, as we said, joining yeah. the dots, pulling it together. 
We don't know what it all means until he actually no. shows it to his boss, and we'll talk about that a little Weird bit Weird that Twin Peaks has gone to insurance fraud. Like, that's <laughs> who killed Laura Palmer. Now we find the out insurance. who but cheated on. on their insurance claim. No, no, but that was always a thing. Like, if you look, think about all of the oh stuff. Oh, my God, the, the horn and the, the ghost would have stayed. The, the, and the burning, burning the, the, the secret million. ledger. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Take that back. Accountancy right. has, the, flo- has the flowed thing. through yeah, the veins right. of Twin Peaks for, like, 25 years. It turns out it's not actually the forensic stuff that's going on. It's forensic accountancy. It's not forensic Work going on. That's yeah. very funny. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, you know, Coop or Coop slash Dougie, who was in the doghouse with his boss, um, seems to redeem himself um, when the next morning when he is summoned into the office, and, yeah, um, shows his files, and his boss sort of sees that there's a connection of some sort. In the meantime, but he's got to stay quiet about it. And, oh. and and Bushnell Mullins has got to work out what he's going to do with that information. Oh, Bushnell Mullins yeah. looked like he was about to cry. Bushnell like, the bruiser like, Mullins. This is <laughs> he's like clearly a former pugilist. Um, you just wanted to say pugilist. I want to say pugilist. I'll put the definition of pugilism on the on the website, <laughs> davidlynch.com forward slash part six. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> there's always got to be, like, you know, I know we're wordsmiths and we some of us uh, write for a living and some of us write for fun, but, yeah, you know, there's some, there's some nice words in there. So, after 25 years. 25 years. We finally meet. The yeah. most interesting, mysterious Character uh, of all of Twin Peaks, dim. Yep, and she's hot. Yeah, you're right, Phil. It was Annie. It was totally Annie. All the time. <laughs> uh, look, give me a break, guys. Just but- to, if you if you weren't listening to was it episode three, episode part four, four? I want to say part four, um, where Phil was like, "It's going to be Annie." Yep, who were they looking for? And it turns out it was Diane. All this time, Diane has made an appearance. And it's Laura Dern. I said it was Diane all along. You, know, you, can, you, can, go back, you can go back and listen to part. And you four. said it was going to be Laura Dern, didn't you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, look, I did not even pick that. I thought it was going to be Eddie. Eddie. But so, how do you feel about that? Obviously, Diane was a secret. Well, Diane was this, you know, person at the end of a recorder for like twenty-five years. I wasn't even convinced Diane was a real person. I guess we saw in yeah. the missing parts. There's that um, scene where... There's um, a scene where he talks to the empty office. Yeah. Like, or he talks through a doorway and he says, oh, Diane, I love what you've done with your hair. Yeah. For me, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to answer your question now. <laughs> yeah, because, and I, I, well, I asked it to be answered. So my yeah. first thought was, like, yeah, cool, okay, we get to meet Diane, but a little bit of disappointment because uh, it's... It, like it was a nice little quirk that we never saw her. Mm. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, that that would have been so obvious to continue that that and just be – it was almost like a, it'd be a lane callback if Diane still never got shown. It, because when I saw the missing pieces of Firewalk with mm. me and I saw him talking to an, talking through mm. a doorway to Diane and she wasn't being shown, I remember watching that and just go, ah, oh, that's a bit that's a bit naff like yeah like manufacturing ways to, to not, not show her face. Yes. 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 So if if she's relevant to the plot, like let's actually give them something. Yeah. I think you're right. So where I'm sort of at with this is we had to deal with Diane in yeah. some way because she was, you know, such an important character even though we never saw her. Yeah. Um and I think what will actually make I think how we'll judge this is based on the role that she plays totally. for the next sort of, you know, where are we, 12 episodes? Yes, yeah. and we are finally, uh, you know, just sort of pulling back the curtain, pulling back the red drapes. We're finally at the point now we are literally, we're talking into the unknown. We, we are not, we have not seen 
part seven, we're recording this like on the eve of part seven dropping. We literally have oh no idea God, the role. you just gave that away. We've been recording this week to week, haven't we? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like it's been ages uh, since we've been here. Isn't it funny that the pizza that we had uh, from episode four is still here while we're recording oh, episode six? shut <laughs> up, man. Uh, okay, busted. Talk about spoiling the mystery. I know. We're, we're literally like speculating now where we have not seen to the future. We don't. Is this future? Is this past? I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so, no internet to help you this time. But no. That's right. That's right. It's Take just that. coming from my own brain. Reddit man. But Diane is, I'm fear, I'm feeling confident about where she's going to go simply because it's not going to be Christabel swinging her hips. It's Laura Dern who's got form with David Oh, she's Lynch, amazing. She's a cracker of an actress. Yeah. So, a, yeah, a much I, underrated actress yeah. actually. She's drinking by herself in a platinum wig. I'm the trying to work out why you. Well, I'm trying to work out why you're judging this, though. I'm just look. It's, it's, Twin Peaks. It's not the first time this has happened. No, no, but no, but it's it's no, but Twin Peaks lacks for, and it's the reason why we love uh, Constance and characters like that. It lacks competent women doing their fucking job like normal human beings and not being um, starlets, women in peril, uh, platinum blonde lounge singers. Ah, funny you should say that. Um, I'm going to throw some massive ephemera at you now. And yes. This is from the autobiography of Dale Cooper, My Life, My Tapes. Did you ever read that? <laughs> I think what? I went straight okay. to the discount. Video. No, so, so uh, when they were releasing all the, all, all the books and the spin-offs when the series was first on, there was obviously The Secret Diary of Laura Yeah, Palmer. which I love. Yeah. Yep. There was another book, or there were two other books. There was one called Welcome to Twin Peaks, which yeah, was done that. as a travel guide. Yeah, yeah, yes. But there was also the autobiography of Dale Cooper, My Life, My Tapes, and I <laughs> loved that. He was only like 12 years old at the time. It, like started, it started when he's 12. No. Uh, yeah, and he, start, he gets the first bit of the book is... My dad's given me this reel to reel recorder. <laughs> so, this is my diary. And it goes all the way up to like the very last entry is Diane, I've got a new case. I'm headed to a town called Twin Peaks. Wow. And when he starts at the FBI or at some point during his FBI, and I'm, I haven't read this book in about 27 years. So, yep. have you still got it? My, no, I haven't. Uh, maybe it's somewhere back in my, you know, my parents have got it in a box yeah, somewhere at home. Yeah. But. He he says, I've been given a new secretary. She's a cross between, I can't remember, she's a cross between what? Something or other and a cabaret singer. (gasps) Platinum wig. Wow. And you just said, what does she look like? She looks like a... A a, a cabaret singer. A platinum on uh, cabaret singer. Yeah. So... You said it with judgment. You said it with wonder. So that's the difference. Yeah. (sighs) There's a lot of judgment going on in this episode. You can't be judging. Some fat shaming. (laughs) Some pie shaming. Oh, okay. We we, maybe we should move on to that then. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. Oh, sorry. I think I just nearly did a Heidi giggle then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> that is awesome. You win. Oh, my God. Oh. Anyway, we do return to Twin Peaks. Oh, look, finally, um, there's a bigger dick in town than Richard uh, Horn. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Like, as, as much of a dick as he is, there's a bigger dick. Red. Who is red is yeah. about to. Yeah. Which reminds me of, like, so in the very last episode when, when Richard Horn is being violent and just a total asshole of a prick cock muncher, <laughs> uh, I was like, that reminds me of Leo Johnson. And then, oh, yeah. yeah this totally. episode, it reminded me of how in the first series you're like, oh, wow, Leo Johnson, as much of a scumbag as he is, he's got scumbags that he answers to that are tougher than him, like Hank Jennings. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so this is that exact same thing yeah. where yeah. there is always a bigger fish of assholery. Yeah. And so we meet that in red. Yeah. 
who's an, uh, was in Lost Highway, right? Balthazar Getty. So what, in yeah, the same what, way we had Laura Dern, who's a David... Lynch favorite. Yes, yep. Um, Balthazar Getty has also. What role did he play? Just remind me. I, look, I know he was in there. He's the guy that he turned that Bill Pullman turns uh, into. Yes, yeah. he's the he's the dream. He's the fantasy that Bill Pullman attempts to oh, go look, into. In one possible reading of it, in one reading of maybe it, yes. he is the man that he metamorphosizes into. Oh yeah, right. Uh, okay, that's another. Lost but Lost Highway is another podcast. From <laughs> time, yeah, right? that's so, right. Um, a much less popular one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, Balthazar Getty is is. Uh, a Lynch alum. Yes. And, and look, the only time we had seen him was at the end of episode of part two where he sort of did the pew pew yeah. to Shelley. Shelley. Um, who loved it because, you know, she likes a bad boy. Yeah. Mm. Um, but this is, so this is the first time we sort of get any sense of who or what he might be. I think pew pew is his uh, MO because he does a little bit of pew pew, he does a bit of kung fu he fighting is. to uh, yeah. uh, our old mate. Um, and, and as a result, and it's kind of hard a... to take him seriously, I think. Well, when he shows him a bitchin' magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And has a fondness for the king and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, look, he's a complex cat. Uh, mm. But right? I think the, um, the might have been you, Lynchy, that was saying that this is the closest thing we've come to a Frank Booth, like a completely chaotic, unhinged guy who you don't know whether he's going to kiss you or stab you yeah, yeah. Uh, or is completely off the rails and is likely as likely to do anything as anything else. And Frank Booth, obviously, for people who don't know. Uh, is the main antagonist yep. of uh, Blue Velvet. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Crazy Dennis Hopper. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so if you haven't seen it, please go. If you haven't seen David Lynch's movies, actually, if you can find the time, do have a look because there are, even though it's not going to, you know, you're not going to miss out watching Twin Peaks not having watched David Lynch's films. I think you'll get a bit more. In terms of some of our of themes, and if casting. nothing else, you'll think, "Oh, season three is pretty normal." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You'll actually think, "Yeah, oh, there's part of me that thinks that season three is more a sequel to his films than it is even to his television work." I believe yeah. the internet has also said some huh? of this. Well, there you go. Finally, the internet and I on the same page. Um, yes, and he does. Uh, th- there's a lot of bullying going on, and and what we know is Richard doesn't like it. Yeah. He's really upset. He's oh. upset. He, other than that, he's high. Don't call me kid. Again, Coke, yeah. the, cho- the drug of choice in Twin Peaks. Yeah, don't call me kid. Okay, kid, I won't. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's been put in his place and he is not he's happy. He's pissed. He is pissed. Um, we do take a bit of a diverge, divergence. Head to the trailer park. The new trailer park. The, fat new, fat, the new fat trailer park. The new fat trailer park. Newer and fatter. So Fat Trout made an appearance in Firewalk with me. The old Fat Trout was in Deer Meadow, which was where Teresa Banks was murdered. Yep. And Chet And Chet Desmond disappeared. disappeared. Yep. Um, so there is some form. And, of course, uh, Carl Rod was the owner of the Fat Trout Fat Trout trailer park back then yep. and said a line that many have interpreted as having a greater meaning, and that is, I've been to places. I've been places. Yeah, I've been places, yeah. Um, so is he a lodge traveller? There are certain things that have indicated that he might be. Yeah, yeah. We'd oh, you mean don't don't take it at a superficial level and that yeah. he's just sort of travelled? No, no, I think In he's... In the real world. Well, he's... He's, he's been places, and then okay. could be a lodge. I just call him Harry Dean Stanton. Um, and finally... He's we... another Lynch favourite. Oh, yeah. Right. Finally, someone from the straight story that's turned up. <laughs> 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 we knew we'd get there. Yeah. yeah. That's my, that one's for Lynchy. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, dudes. 
We see Carl, he's going into town, wherever mm. town may be, and he he picks up a hanger-on who is obviously the carer or the, the significant other of a character, an unseen character called Linda. Mm. Yes. Richard Rich. and Linda. Yes. Two birds, one We've to... now both oh. got them. We've got a Richard, we've got a Linda. Nav, you're a genius. Yeah. Is the, the guy, and he's pulling up his pants as he's running for the bus, like that guy, that, is his name Richard? No, 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 no Richard was possibly, we've met a Richard. Oh, yeah, right. And now we and now have we heard of a Linda who is clearly in a wheelchair she and needs and a new on welfare. Mm. She's, a, she's a vet. She's a, an army vet. Well, we don't know. Well, she's not an animal vet, is she? Does, she, does he say that no, she's a vet? No, like, um, he says, like, I think there's something in there like, oh, it took him long enough, took the department long enough. She, I mean, she's a veteran and it's taken him this long oh, to right, get okay. the electric so wheelchair I was, that I was more sort of blown away by the fact that finally we heard about it. Un- unless you read it off the subtitles and someone just said she's got <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, are you sure? Are you sure? Exactly. Are you sure to read she's at the match. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in that, all I take is that even though we haven't seen this character, I suspect she's going to, we're either going to see her or she's going to adopt some sort of, have some sort of meaning later on. Yeah. And I don't know if Richard and Linda are siblings or they've got some other connection. But the yeah. giant, but for, for those who are have not sort of, not to work out why we have why this is so significant in part two, part one, part one. I think it's literally like one, part of the, one, one of the very first things. The character who looks like the giant but is credited as seven question, question marks says to Cooper in a place that we think may be the White Lodge, but we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Says mm. one of the things he says to him to Cooper is remember Richard and Linda. Then he says two birds, one stone, and four thirty, and four thirty, and four th- oh, yeah. which we don't know if, is a, a number. Or a, time. or a time. Something else to that I that I got from the good old internet. Thank you, Reddit.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, some some other awesome Twin Peaks nerd with a lot of time on their hands went back to that episode one where he said where the giant said, "Listen to the sound." Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gramophone. Yeah. They found they, they sped that up with... like seven hundred percent or some incredibly high amount. That is the sound of a poker machine, a slot machine going. <gasps> Wow. See, the iron... But not like a, a modern-day poker machine, they though, sure. almost exactly the same sound as what you were hearing in the Silver Mustang when Mr. Jackpots was doing his stuff. No yeah. fucking way. Wow. So... That, makes, that makes sense. Uh, the only thing that I had even heard without, uh, you know, like slowing stuff down, speeding stuff up, I thought the weird in, um, in part three where we've got eyes stitched shut, lady no, go, making... Um, she doesn't talk. She she makes noise and she makes noise. I thought that was maybe what was coming through the gramophone. Like, and I didn't. And I didn't have take the time to go back and listen to the stuff that was coming through the gramophone. So has again. anyone sort of either sped that up or pieced that sort of Nido bit together? Is there anything? Has anyone on the internet done anything the, with that? The one thing that they did is the the exact frame by frame, and so oh, in right, real we time, talked about that. Yeah, yeah, Lynch edited it and. So it makes it totally marries okay. up with the the killing the of the, of yeah, the yeah, couple yeah, in yeah, New York City. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Richard, so, so we've Richard, got a Richard and Linda. Yeah. So we've got a Richard. We've got a Linda. Let's go back to Richard. Richard's pissed. He's driving his truck. He's clearly a very emotional driver. Oh yes. Because he's he's driving the shit out of that flatbed truck. Bef- and yes. Well, let's well let's talk about that, and we'll talk about how that might link to other events mm, in Twin mm, Peaks. Mm, mm, mm. Dick being a dick, as I've written down <laughs> here. Um, we take, we, ta- we take, we take, kid. We, uh, oh, well, well, yeah. yeah. I think we've got to go there. We've got to go, we've there. Got to go there. Runs over a kid, runs over yeah. a kid. Um, um, Harry Dean Stanton, a.k.a. Carl Rod, uh, witnesses the whole thing. This is a guy who brags that I've been smoking every day for 75 years and I ain't dead yet. Yeah. And then he sees a poor, like, a nine-year-old get killed and you realise 
That should have been you, old man. Like you've yeah. been smoking every day for seventy five years. Now um, we've got this kid gets killed on the on the uh, on the pedestrian crossing. Just it's one of the most horrific. I oh. mean, we've had a couple of horrific scenes already. But it is a... It's pretty bad. It's yeah. it, it's quite hard it's to watch. It's pretty brutal. The most brutal thing about it is just watching the acting of the background extras, which are... <laughs> uh, that, that that was the thing that made me cry. It like, it wasn't... Yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't actually, which I think goes back to, you know, we've sort of talked about, um, or I've talked about, you know, portals and watching and spectating, and I think, you know, there is a real strong element of voyeurism, and I think this is just another manifestation of voyeurism. Yeah. Well, especially since Carl Rod is the only one who doesn't just watch. He yeah. goes over and comforts yes. her. And he also sees the flame of the boy's spirit yeah, ascending yeah. Yeah. via electricity and disappearing perhaps into the White Lodge, um, which, frankly, in my view, confirms my theory that when he says he's been places, he knows lodge movements. He knows... Yeah, um, actually, the only other the, spirit. the only other people that have seen those sort of lodge flames are people that have been inside the lodge. Yeah. Yeah. So Cooper sees the lodge flames over the poker machines yeah. and he's got the yeah. little lodge flashes, yeah. the light detection thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally buying that. Yeah. There is one witness that sees who's driving the truck, and that might be critical later on. It's a it's a school teacher by the name of Miriam, and in a previous scene, she was in the Double R Diner enjoying her second piece of pie. Two pieces of the pie. Two pieces of pie. She's a two piece of Miriam pie kind of girl. Two, two pies. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam um, eats two pies. <laughs> yeah, um, and was keen to. There's always well, if you want to come back. There's always a piece of pie with your name on it. Um, not exactly fat shaming, but you know, just really like, yeah, dude, we get it. You like your pies. Yeah. Come back anytime. Um, takes a couple of coffees to go, and she's out on the road and manages to eyeball Richard Horn yeah. in the truck. So if anyone's going to, so she knows who drove the truck. She knows, but she might be the only one who knows who drove the truck, uh, which may come into got to come into play. Yeah. at some point earlier on. We don't need to talk too much about that, but yeah. Something else that um that is as is an awesome uh, theory that I saw on Reddit and this is something that you mentioned Nav uh, when we were chatting earlier today. Uh, what is it what's the link between this scene and Firewalk with me that you noticed? It's the telegraph pole, right? The telegraph pole. The, the, oh, the telegraph yeah, right. pole, which has got a number six on it and a really loud crackle of electricity. Yeah. Which doesn't just seem to be similar. It's sim- it's identical to Firewalk With Me. It's, yeah. it's, it's the um, telegraph pole that's in the fat tra- trailer park yeah, in Firewalk exact. With Me. And we see it just before Chet, and we hear its crackle just before Chet Desmond disappears. Yeah. Is the only thing missing there, is there a sort of a yes. thing going yep. on as well? Okay. Which leads me to this far out theory. You ready for now? This, Steve, this you're not one for far out theories. Like, where is this coming from? <laughs> okay. Oh my god! Is it okay. from so, the internet? So, so, someone has suggested. So we've seen uh, that I like Bob how has uh, has uh, an avatar in the real world, right? Now it was Leland Palmer uh, yep. originally, yep. and now it's uh, Bad Coop. Yep. yep. Um, Mike has an avatar. That's Philip Gerard. Yep. Yes. Um, the giant has an avatar. That's question mark, question mark, the, question mark. The, Senior drill cup. Senior drill cup, that's right. <laughs> Who does not have an avatar? Man from another place. He's, we've not seen him in in the real world. Is he not just Bob? No, he's not no, Bob. No, no, he's not Bob. Anyway, no. I mean, he's he's the arm. Like he's In the he's, lodge, but, he's the arm. In the, but we've oh, not yeah, seen right, him in okay. the real world. Um, the only time he's been seen in the real world was over Josie's bed, but that's from a doorknob issue that we don't all speak about. But <laughs> what uh, what one of the delightful denizens of the internet has suggested is that 
The man from another place does have an avatar, and unlike all the others who choose human form, he chooses an electricity pole because that's an easier way to blend in. Like, who would notice uh, an electricity pole? <laughs> well, and but also electricity poles are rather like trees, right? Exactly. Oh, so and yeah. the tree also crackles with electricity in the lodge. That's right. What did we see just yeah. before Chet disappeared? Let's rock. Yeah, written on. On the, the on the windscreen. On the car windscreen, yeah. So, and, and once shit. again, we've seen <laughs> wow. the exact same utility pole in a place where a spirit has ascended and has... Well, we, we've had a debate about where that telegraph pole may be. Okay, yeah. So you thought... Well, because I sort of thought about it in the context of Fire Walk With Me, so I thought it was in the Fat Trout. So actually, park. so we've cut away from, like geographically from where the boys died to... Well, my only pole. reference point is Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. So for this telegraph pole to exist somewhere else would actually have to be a bit of a, for me, a bit of... Also with an identical number six. Yeah. So we've talked about numbers before, actually, all of which are multiples of three, by the way. Oh. Three, 15 and six. The three and the 15 are in the portals. Yep. Mm-hmm. That we talked about in part three. Yes. Um, and six on the telegraph pole. Mm. The, my only reference point is its location in Firewalk With Me. I'm going to have to re-watch the scene in Firewalk With Me and double-check and see what the story is there. So. But it's quite yeah. possible that this telegraph pole is also a portal. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do finally get back to Las Vegas, and Mr. Todd has, has is receiving messages from somebody. Oh, he's probably receiving messages from the man who makes him do the things. Yeah, whoever him, that may be. And he makes him do another thing. He has to go to, what does he do? He goes gets to... He goes to a safe and pulls out safe, an envelope. And it's got something... So obviously something which had been stored for a purpose. Yeah. It's got a black dot on the outside or something or... Yeah. 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 Um, which we see a few scenes later, slipped under a motel room door. Well, let's just go straight to that. Yeah. Slipped, it slips under a motel door. There's a, there's a guy there rolling dice and writing the results down. He's got an ice pick sitting on the dresser there. And you get the sense that maybe he's a small person sitting down. I didn't get it from the sitting down. I know, I did. Yeah, I did too. Oh, right. Um, So Another little man. Yeah, well, there's a guy of small stature. And then, of course, there's a knock at the door. Envelope goes under. It's the same black dot. Yeah. Dossier thing that comes through. Uh, Opens it up. Photographs of... Dougie and... Lorraine. Lorraine. Oh, so, so, oh, so Dougie, yes, okay, right. So we Did went, you not know that? All I knew Wait, was, you didn't recognise Carl McLaughlin? <laughs> like, who is this? In a green jacket. He looks like that guy from Dune. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I, no, I'd forgotten only because later in this scene, we might as well uh, follow this scene all the way down yeah, through. So he sees the picture, stabs both of the, yeah. uh, both of the photos, and then in a the scene later on, uh, basically walks into Lorraine's office and stabs the hell the out, shit of out of him. He yeah. spikes her, man. Spikes are real Spike good. Hence the name Spike the Spike. Spike the Spike. Yeah. Spike. And, and you know, in my mind, I, like, I, I would like to imagine that when he carries out a successful assassination, he goes back home, grabs the photograph and spikes it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just like any good office yeah. worker yeah, would. Right. Yeah. First in, first out. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, um, but except, even, when, expect, except when he spikes. Gets, gets bent. So, and that's the only time we see any sort of emotion or remorse. Yeah, it's very sad. It's, you know, up there with kids getting hit by cars. Yeah, well, there it's up there with... Yeah, it's really... Being it's, taken before their time. I oh, find no. these scenes really interesting, actually, because in earlier episodes we've talked about really highly stylized, 
yet very horrific scenes of violence. And I feel that these, these scenes are a slight contrast insofar as they are still very violent. They're very bloody. Mm, they're very, yes. they're very grisly, but I've, for some reason, I don't know whether it's the way that they're carried out or just the sheer absurdity of, or perhaps, you know, absurdity of all. I feel there's a slightly comic element. I find it very difficult to take these scenes entirely seriously or at least be as horrified by them as I No, no, well, others. exactly. Like, you've got um, – look, horrifying would be Colonel Mustard in the ballroom with a candlestick. Uh, it's almost of that uh, – well, actually, that wouldn't be horrifying. In fact, well, that's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is that a uh, person of small stature in the office with an ice pick, uh, that is actually – that's not that, that's not as horrific as, as some of the scenes we've seen because it is just so bonkers and mad. Yeah. Um, and he just goes ape. Uh, we were talking uh, earlier before we started recording about – Ike the Spike is such an effective assassin – why didn't they give this guy the job in the first place? Yeah. Like, why is he going to clean so up? I got, the I got a theory not related to the internet. I developed this one myself. Yes. So oh, well, okay. And, and that is, um, if you were a criminal mastermind and you wanted someone out of the way, they want to outsource that first because they don't want you know their fingerprints, their fingerprints. all over it. Oh, basically. you want deniability, either yeah. mirror, yes, mirror exactly. or otherwise. So give the job to Lorraine and her assassins are us uh, <laughs> job, and when she fucks up. You're like, okay, well, let's get rid of her, and while we're at it, we'll get we'll get our own guy to knock her off and do the job that she was supposed to do in the first place. Oh, okay, right. So, right. They're, so yeah, so they're losing the deniability, or they've got one step closer where it can be attributed to them, but at least the job's getting done right. So this was the plan B, or maybe plan C or D, uh, is that we couldn't get it right the first time. They didn't get. They had a second crack at it with the car bomb. That also didn't work. Uh, look, let's just write that off. Yep. You know what? Send Ike the spike. So yep. at some point. Cooper and I, the Spike, have got a date, right? Well, maybe. I mean, uh, well, obviously now starting to, to form be. theories about how all these storylines are connected, right? Yeah, and who's, who's I mean, behind we... what? So you know, like three three episodes ago, we had you know Mr. Todd's underling, whose name I can't remember, saying, "Why do you make him do let him do these things to you?" Oh, he had a name like Charlie yeah. or Barney or whatever his name was. And yeah. I think now, and so we were kind of like, "Well, it could be Bad Coop, but hey, who, who could be someone else?" Yeah, well, Bad. Coop's... I think now we're a bit closer now to working. I think it's it's got to be Bad Coop, it's, right? Yeah, it has except to be. that he's in jail. So yeah, but he can go bloop, 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 with telephone. I guess that's telephones. True. And Maybe Philip Jeffries in Argentina's coordinating the stuff. Look, I think you could be right there, or something. I, I, I definitely think that it's that there is another link in that puzzle somewhere. Yeah, we yeah. haven't met who it is yet, but that's what we've got to look forward to. Yeah, but either way, in the same way that we feel like the broad brushstrokes are out for like what happens with Bad Coop and, and Good Coop, because Ike the Spike has seen. We say Ike the Spike as if we're making a nickname. That's what his credit is in the, in the, yeah, <laughs> it's in the yeah, credits. Yeah, like, yeah, we're not yeah, making this up. Ike the Spike Stadler is his name. I've actually got – so I've, what I've done is I've printed out the 217 cast member list and I've actually gone through each episode and written down which character each actor plays and which episode they make their first appearance. And he totally is credited as Ike the Spike. Yep, yep, yep Ike the Spike. Um, so we know that Coop and Ike the Spike are going to have a little – Rondes Rumble, yeah. little rumble in the jumble. Yeah. Though, poor old like the spike knight might need to get a new spike. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, he might need I to come I, to the party with a new spike. I hope, I hope Ike's married to a lady of don't say Tina. named Tina, <laughs> <laughs> and they have their own little tribute band on Come Thursday on. nights <laughs> at the Bang Bang Bar. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Anyway, so that we, we sort of followed that all the way down. I mean, that's not chronologically how the the episode goes, but we do get we do get Cooper finally. He brings his homework. 
into the boss's office. Yeah, which we talked, which we talked we about, that. but yeah. we, you yeah. know, we also talked about his. Um, what we didn't sort of talk about is, you know, he he's his beautiful. I mean, we have seen some really interesting things happen this episode, and some of which are quite emotionally intense. And I think what we've seen is that David Lynch kind of breaks up some of that stuff by just interspersing some moments of comedy with some levity, and we see this lovely scene where Cooper's, you know, in the lift. With Phil Bisbee, his little off, his new little off, you know, friend <laughs> from the office, he's got his own coffee, holding it like a sippy cup, and he's playing silly buggers in the lift with a with a goofy smile on his face. Phil's trying to drag him out into work, and yes, yeah. you know, Coop's kind of riding the lift like it's, you know, he's like like the, it's a game. I love the way that we've got so, and this is the tone, uh, the set right the way from the start of Twin Peaks is this. There's there's moments of quiet, and there's moments of intensity, yeah. and then there's moments of levity and stupidity and goofiness. And then intense uh, suspense and and like a thriller sort of atmosphere. It's it's there's not too many people that can cross across so many genres uh, in such a short amount of time. It's That's fantastic. Right. And it's uh, for all the comments of people mortified and mystified by how different this is to what they were expecting. This is exactly what people complained about with season two of Twin Peaks mm. that. Uh, when you're trying to be kooky for the sake of kooky, yep. it's really obvious. Like when we saw freaking little Nicky and, <laughs> and <laughs> Dick Tremaine with the, with the badger biting his nose and oh, all that yeah. bullshit. Yes. Um, and and likewise, when they're trying to be terrifying, they were just missing the mark. Yep. Whereas uh, when Lynch and Frost are back and they're they're controlling this from the start, we've got times of pure terror yep. and we've got times of pure bizarreness and pure comedy and they're mixed right in together. Yep. And they're absolutely 100% comfortable jumping between all of those things. Yeah. Hey, speaking of mixing comedy and drama and everything that goes with it, it's noon 30. <laughs> you think, oh, yeah. Janie E's got a date with Destiny. So yeah. Janie E turns up at the playground and so do the two goons that are looking to collect their $50,000, which I think she's married. Well, in this scene, she managed, manages to sort of squirrel them down. It's like, Who's going to come up with fifty thousand yeah. dollars? It's ridiculous. I'll give you. Now, what does she end up offering? Twenty five. Because she's, you know that's like the twenty thousand that he owes plus twenty five percent interest, plus which is better than it. Get at the bank. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, she's awesome. She's. I. I've, I really like her now. Yeah. I was. I was unsure because again, I sort of talked referred to a two dimensional portrayal of yet another blonde Harridan housewife. Mm. But um, she really comes into own here. She yeah, takes these guys I, to school. I felt like. From the start, I loved Laura Dern. Sorry, I loved Naomi Watts' performance of her. Sure. I loved the performance more than perhaps I loved the writing. Yes. Uh, And this is the moment where the writing caught up because she did something very, very cool beyond what you thought that two-dimensional character could. Um, It was a a great scene. Like, there's nothing better than uh, when you're ahead of some of the... As an audience member, you're ahead of... Uh, yeah, the some of the people in the yep. scene, and so the whole all that shit about uh, where on earth could someone get this money? <laughs> just like, but you've got four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What are you doing? That's right. Yeah, you were ready to pay them off just last night. I know and exactly. Now that what, she's got them, why is she nickeling and nickel and diming these yeah. guys? Well, I think it's probably like if you can easily come up with fifty thousand dollars, then next week you can easily come up with another fifty. I think she's just trying to draw a line in the sand, like this is all we've got. Shut up, leave us alone, and if I ever see you again, don't worry. I'll. Well, she's not going to give away. She's got four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in her. Oh no, stash absolutely not. No, no, no. But um, well, it's in their secret place that only. They know That's about. exactly right. Except Cooper doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. He wouldn't even know where that was. And if she knew that he didn't know. Oh, boy. Yeah. So they get their money and get taken to school, which is fantastic. 
the guy who's not Corey Feldman looks absolutely confused. We, um, I, I was convinced want, it was. I, I want to just go <laughs> it's back his to, doppelganger. I want to go back to the Rancho Rosa for a second. I mean, mm. I think we said, you know, just coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, but it's, it's the name of the production company that has produced this, this yep. season. But, you know, its literal translation is Pink House, or I'm going to say Pink Lodge. Really? So, and the only reason that yes. made me think about this is obviously we've got how, junkie, how have we missed that junkie mom saying 119, 119, and this is the only thing she ever says, which we talked about last part about, is that a reverse of 911? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you have just blown my mind. That's... Yeah. And Rosa, well, so Rosa's pink in some languages, but in Italian, Rosa is red. Yeah. Red Lodge. Yeah. Holy shit, balls. Well, Rosso, there is it's Ross Rosso's red in Italian, but in Spanish it's it's pink. Yeah, right. It's pink house. I'm going to say pink lodge. If it's oh god, I don't know whether there's anything. No, no, no. no, no, no. Just sort of no. been thinking How, about that. That has been literally right in front of. It was literally the first frame of the zzz, zzz, and you get the Rancho Rosa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What the hell's wrong with us? <laughs> wow. I, the internet has probably been, been talking about this for weeks, so we're very behind the eight ball. No, well, dude, I haven't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Quick, get on and the I've internet. I've been lurking like a... <laughs> like a demon. Like a demon. <laughs> like a mofo. Like, or a FOMO. Um, yeah. So anyway, look, maybe we can sort of think about how that... Maybe well, look for some signs in yeah, future episodes. Definitely seeing it. We'll be watching out for wow. it. Wow. Sure. Wow. All right, we better wrap it up with one of the finally... Uh, finally, Hawk. Is using his heritage, or has found something related to his heritage that might actually um, find the missing pieces yep. of what we're looking for. Always get the answers when you're taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just washing his hands. Oh, we don't know whether he had taken yeah, a shit beforehand, right. but, you know, he's washing his hands. <clears throat> Again, just serendipity, washing his hands, what happens? A coin falls out of his pocket or something? Or? Which has a, a Native American head on it. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know yeah. if that's the coin or. Or was it? I don't know. I it definitely roll. It definitely rolls around down to a into a store where there's a plate with. Uh, is it Nay Pence or Nay? Yeah, Nay Purse Manufacturing Company, and their symbol is a Native American. Yeah, right. Well, the thing that I because thought, remember the log lady says to him, "It's your heritage." Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah. something about your heritage. Um, he doesn't use any tracking skills or any of his heritage to find I know, things. which is just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I'm disappointed by that or not. But that's exactly everything that got happened. Like, I was, you know, re-watching all of the original Twin Peaks with a critical eye, just thinking, how good is Cooper, really? He's actually not that good as a detective. <laughs> he's, he's just got a good aim. He's got a good aim. He can hit a bottle from, uh, you know, 30 metres, but he's actually not that very good. There's one scene where oh, they man, say... really? He knows Harry and, um, and Dozier are together. Oh, yeah, he's good at spotting that. He's good at spotting that. In general, like, he never, think about it, he never actually brings anyone to trial or justice. He never actually manages to put anyone in, like, lock anybody up. But he has dreams. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like this is the same sort of thing. Serendipity, smiles upon, hawk. And, and bro, if your those ex-girlfriend are, got stabbed by your partner, you'd probably be a little bit wary yeah, about your true, true. investigation. Um, so I'm not sure whether it's a coin that rolls over and then he finds another, like a rivet. It seems like it's a rivet from the door itself. Yeah. So that thing is, is it the, a rivet? I thought it was the coin, and so from there he looks up and he sees well, the, the rivet the is missing from the door. Yeah, but the coin's got the um, the Native American head on it. So, there's, but there's no—that's what I'm saying. But there's no coins in America that have a Native American. Anyway, head. he fucks up a door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for being the circuit yeah. breaker there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he he pulls the door apart. Yep. And finds what has been missing. Handwritten. Well, pieces of paper. Yeah. Which. 
we all think I think we we I think we're agreed on this, right? That it's the missing pages of the diary of Laura Palmer. Secret diary of Laura Palmer. Yes. And we know that from Fire Walk with Me, Laura Palmer was visited by the ghost of Annie or the the spirit of Annie. Or the projection of Annie or or whatever. And what did she say? The good Dale is trapped in the lodge. Write this down. Write this down. Down in your diary. And if that is what has been found, then that has to do with Blows Cooper. Things that wide that open. is going to blow things wide open. Yeah. Then now Hawke and well everybody involved in the investigation knows that if Good Cooper's trapped in the lodge, who the hell is this Cooper out here that's been yeah. running around committing mayhem and doing all that stuff? He's clearly the well. Body. He doesn't know about the Cooper though. Um, well, presumably the fact that you've got to actually spell out that the Good Cooper's still in the lodge. Well, he'll know that there's a bad Cooper out there, but he doesn't know where this bad Cooper is because their, their lives have not intersected. Not yet. No, no, not yet. You're true. True, true. But also, as uh, I mean, if, if what we're speculating is correct, um, we know that the Lodge uh, plays with time and everything else, but uh, how much is that going to freak them out to see the good true... Good, the, uh, a lady told me the good Dale is trapped in the Lodge, mm. and this is from... 20, know, February the third, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, two yeah, weeks totally. before Dale Cooper lands in town and before yeah, Laura Palmer's killed. Totally. So. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to find out. We don't know yet, but but shit be getting real, y'all. Yeah, I know. We were speculating about how did the diary entries even get there. The last time we saw anything of. And it, who put them there? Well, the last time we saw anything of interest that was there was when Philip Gerard needed to get his ju- drugs to prevent him from turning into Michael to to stop Mike from taking over. He didn't manage to get the drugs. He fumbled the needle onto the ground. Without drugs, he points. That was the last person we saw. It's not like there's that many scenes that are in a bathroom stall, so that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe Mike, a.k.a. Philip Gerard, had the diary and either before he transformed to Mike or afterwards... Decided to slip that in there for safekeeping for later. <laughs> totally like makes a, sense. Like a time capsule? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah. That's the only, it's the only contemporary thing from that 1989 era that mm. even comes close. Uh, for anything else, for any other way for that thing to be delivered there would require some description some, of something. Some otherworldly force. No, well, some other description of thing that we've not yet seen. Uh, it seems weird that we it would not tie back to that. Yeah. Again, I've been certain before, like Annie. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Annie. I told you it was going to be Annie. Mm. So anyway, I, I, there's anyway the the world anyway. the world's start the world's starting to collide. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, um, did we finish on the bang bang? Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, I thought it was Tex Perkins did. in the band there. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to mean nothing to our international listeners. Yes. Fortunately, a lot of our listeners in Australia. Hi to all the people in Sydney, Western Australia, South Australia, and all around the all around Australia. By far the majority of our listeners are from Australia. So, great. So but I'll tell you what. We've got a few people in California and New York. So Germany. You guys. And check out Tex Perkins. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Cruel Sea, Be Suburban, and Tex, Don, and Charlie. Yeah, fantastic. Um, they've got a new album and if, coming out. And if anyone is, if anyone <laughs> we'll is from we'll South Dakota. We'll link on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi to our South Dakota buddies. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Um, so tonight, so tonight uh, well, this part's um, talent is Sharon Van Etten with her song Teresa, which I personally love. I think it's a, a great song. Mm. Um, but I think maybe we should put a link to the YouTube clip yeah. on the show notes. Look, I'll tell you what, as far as the music goes, they haven't gone too far wrong with this uh, season. It's all, been, it's all been great. As weird as each of the individual bands are and as incongruous as, as, as it is, like what the hell kind of bar is this to have these weird avant-garde yeah. bands in there? Dude, I want to go to that bar. Yeah, and 
because in Australia we're getting it the next day, so it's screening in America on Sunday, so uh, we're about 15 hours ahead. We get it middle of Monday. Yep. I watch it on Monday nights, and in my head, that's how much the Roadhouse goes off on a midweek Monday night. <laughs> and I'm like, it's always packed, yep. and I've got new interesting bands on, and meanwhile, Sydney's got lockout laws. We're not, yeah. our live scene's oh, dying. because no Just one starts work take, before 9 a.m. in Twin Peaks. Yeah, so. that's right. Take a leaf out of the Roadhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney. On that note, we'll say farewell to all of our domestic and international viewers. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening.